had this realization, JB, that we had a lovely little chit chat before we hit record. So all this, yes. you know, niceties that we'd normally do at a podcast for the listeners' enjoyment will be torpedoed. What a fool! Probably just as well. Really? Oh. Anyway, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good overnight. Welcome to the Global Leadership Podcast with me, Anthony P. And me, JB. And I'd be quite interested to know, and do we actually have any listeners left? No, they all <laughs> deserted us. I think we had like one download last year. Yes. No, we, we actually have really good download numbers. Um, I'm ama- In fact, I was saying to Kate the other week, who's one of our team in the office here, I didn't quite understand why we hadn't done any new episodes for a while, yet we were still getting downloads every day. So um, who knows? Uh, if you're listening, welcome. If you've not listened to our podcast before, um, here's how it works. Uh, me and JB basically talk bollocks for 60 minutes. The end. And That's my it. niece would completely agree with you. Yeah, she's uh, a regular, was, isn't she? Well, I saw, I saw her at the weekend and um, she, she said the last episode that we did, um, which had a little political uh, kind of bit to it and oh, it did, didn't it? Yeah. yeah she was good she was really quite surprised about some of my views really well yeah, yeah i mean i didn't realize you're such a farage supporter to be honest <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, uh, I, that's a joke by the way for the benefit of the listeners singing how dare you uh we we try and be politically neutral here and not give away too much of our political views but what's always interesting in the politics jb i don't know if you agree is is that there are some often lessons you can learn from a leadership perspective because whether you <clears throat> Whether you love or hate some political parties, clearly they've campaigned, which is one of your big things about being a good leader, particularly well. And there's something to be said for that, even if we disagree with the viewpoint. <clears throat> um, but there you go. Um, so this week's episode, we have a few themes. JB, I know, has some some thinking he's got to the table. We have one outstanding question from our last week's podcast that we didn't do. So I think we need to have a, a dabble with that. And we also had a couple yeah. of listener questions that have come in via our webinars that you and I do on Seedle.com. So um, we have a – and I also have some something I forwarded to you earlier, JB, didn't I? Um, anyway, would, for once, would you, you often let me go first. So I think it's only right that maybe you go first this week well so i don't know why this is but i've been talking to um people recently and the word narcissistic has come up quite a lot in these conversations mm. and um i i think it's quite interesting to think about the times that what we are in and the challenges that leaders are facing you know there's a lot of a lot of change and there is a tendency for boards and recruiters to employ people who have narcissistic tendencies uh, to change things very, very quickly. The listener can't see the fact I'm smirking at the moment, because whenever JB says narcissist, I immediately think of one leader. (laughs) So do I. Um, Uh, And interestingly, he was a topic of conversation last night, JB. I was out with a couple of former work colleagues. And his name came up because the person I was having dinner with was a reference to this narcissist for a new job. And annoyingly, the narcissist got a CEO job. Um, But my friend that I was having dinner with doesn't know where the narcissist is going to be CEO of because the recruitment firm have done it all under kind of like discretion and things. He doesn't know where they're going. But but the narcissist will emerge soon. I believe they are a boutique business, so they're unlikely to be one of our clients. Not that we've named them. Right. So these people, and and with this person in mind, and we we dare not 
uh, hint at who they are. But, um, no. you know, they they exude this self-confidence and charisma. Would that be fair to say, Ant? Um, yes. Now, just to be clear, there are unfortunately two people that listen to this podcast. Other I've no, just realised. Other, no, other narcissists that, are available. Yeah, but, but I'm also conscious that I know two people that listen to this podcast that have recently been appointed as chief executives. Oh, and, oh, oh. and if you're people that I'm in contact with, the answer it's is no, not it's you. not you. It's someone that I'm not in contact with deliberately because, as JB says, they are a no, narcissist. Narky. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they're pretty good at self-promotion. I think it's fair to say. And interestingly, and mm. they really shine in job interviews. Do they really? Yeah, they do. I, I suck at them. Because they're, they're prepared to lie. They're oh, prepared I see. to lie about everything. Um, and, you know, they are brilliant at promoting their brand. So, mm. um, but you might be surprised that I did a little bit of research before um, this podcast. You're shitting me. <laughs> I know. But I just thought it'd be quite interesting for once to actually do a little bit more pre preparation. And um, I came across this study by Charles A. O'Reilly. Um, and he is the Frank E. Buck Professor of Management at Stanford Graduate School of Business. And he combined um, with Jennifer Chapman to produce a paper um, for the University of California, Berkeley. Um, and he has reviewed loads and loads of stuff on narcissistic leaders um, and uh, condensed would you believe it? 150 studies. That's a lot of drawing from. Um, and he came across some pretty interesting conclusions, which I think are worth uh, just having a little focus on. So, and here's the first thing uh, that O'Reilly says, which I think is quite useful for our starting point. Mm -hmm. True narcissists are self-serving and lack integrity keep that person in mind that you were thinking of <laughs> i'm now thinking politicians when you said like oh okay well now that's yeah, even yeah. yeah more fun um they believe they're superior and thus not subject to the same rules and norms and i think i know who you're thinking about uh -huh. um studies show they're more likely to act dishonestly to achieve their ends they know they're lying and it doesn't bother them. They don't feel shame. They are also often reckless in the pursuit of glory, sometimes successfully, but often with dire consequences. Can I ask a question? Yes. Can a narcissist be healed? Nope. So if anyone's listening to this podcast that is comfortable with any of JB's previous statements... I suggest you just turn off because you ain't going to get anything other than frustration of our yeah. opinions of you. So they're yeah. fixed minded, you're saying? Um, well, they uh, if you if you there was a very interesting thing about Trump this morning, actually, um, you know, he is a grandiose uh, narcissist and uh, <clears throat> he will he will never change. There is nothing that you can do mm. um, about a Trump type individual. Uh, you know, it is a yeah. mental, it's a mental condition and, you know, his, his behavior. And I don't know whether you were thinking about him earlier. No, I was thinking of Boris Johnson. Yeah, uh, me too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. When I read that earlier, I was thinking about 
Boris Johnson too. But you're um, right with Trump, and and I put myself out on a limb here because if you're a client that happens to love Trump, um, it, it it does feel to me like he is a narcissist, um, and I'm unlikely to be swayed any other way. That doesn't mean you shouldn't support them, but I think yeah, problem. yeah. And so the 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 impact that these people have on cultures, and again, interesting to think about um, various politicians. Um, you end up with these individualistic cultures. And, you know, again, so think Enron, think uh, Trump administration, think Johnson administration. Um, so no teamwork. Is Corbyn a narcissist? Well, that's a very interesting question. And I don't think he is. I don't think he is. You just think he's a, 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 um, delusional about his beliefs? I think he's deeply batty. Um I think he I think he has goodness in his heart. Uh, Does I, Trump and Tr uh, Boris not them? No. Okay. They don't. There is only one thing that's important to Donald Trump. And that's Donald Trump. Donald Trump. And it's the same with Boris Johnson. They are not interested in anyone else. Can I if just they, Yes. I, 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 look, I am not a Trump supporter. Yes. But I did see him on The Apprentice USA bef way before he became even a contender for US presidency. And I felt that he did seem to show pride in others' success, as well as obviously him making himself look good. So I get your point on the narcissist, but how much of it is a facade versus in it? Do we re genuinely think in his brain that he thinks that he genuinely is the things that he professes or is this his, his, his defense mechanism? Have you ever seen Schindler's List? No. Okay. There is a uh, German officer um, who is looking in the mirror and it's the most fa fabulous bit um, of cinematography I think I've ever seen. Um, and he, Rafe Fiennes is the guy playing the role and he's looking in the mirror and he's practicing his performance as a kind officer, as a, oh. as a, as a really decent German officer, because someone had spoken to him and he thought, hmm, I can, I can project that, I can present that. Um, and he sort of practices this and then does the sign of the cross in the mirror, as far as I remember. And then shortly afterwards, he goes out on a balcony and starts shooting people um, below. Um, and I, 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 the point I'm trying to make is that they don't change and they only think about themselves. And uh, then the problem that you have is that they create these individualistic cultures um, with no teamwork and low integrity. And, you know, you can think you can think of places like Enron. You can think of places like, um, you know, when when Boris was was prime minister. Mm -hmm. I think it became all very individualistic and you got a shit shower um, and loads of um, people out for themselves. Can um, I therefore ask, is a narcissist born or created through themselves over time? Oh, that's a, so I, I, I'm not an expert on this. And I guess the, que the question you're asking is nature or nurture. Yes. Or perhaps a combination of things. So um, my understanding is that people can get damaged early on in their lives and 
um, become narcissistic in their behavior. But if it, it if it locks in, if those demons lock in, uh, then it's irreversible. Um, I think you can also have narcissists that are born that way. Um, but it it is like it's like schizophrenia. You know, people can have the schizophrenic gene, but it never shows up. But something in others can trigger it to happen, and then they start becoming schizophrenic. I think it's the same with narcissism. Um, so someone's someone might carry the credentials of being one, but it never really happens because it's not triggered. I know someone uh, who is one, and it was triggered by some pretty awful early situations in their in their life. Hmm. So here's a question: so You've from, got friends that are narcissists. I don't. Then I wouldn't call them my friend. They are someone who I am. Um, you're not co-hosting a podcast with them, are you? I know. God, you're far from that. I, <laughs> I, I, I know somebody who is one, um, right. and I cannot say any more than that because it would, yeah, be, yeah, fair enough. It would be unfortunate for other people, but um, you know, the, this grandiose behaviour uh, that that uh, we've described before uh, is very, very much them, and they really they can't do empathy. They cannot put themselves in other people's shoes. They have to be the star of the show. Um, you know, they come across as um, highly confident and, you know, they, they will enter a room and make an awful lot of noise. But you know what? They don't have a great deal of energy to keep that going. Right. They are short-term animals. And if people don't support them, they will create campaigns of hatred against those people. So you're either um, massively supportive of them or you are an enemy to them. Hmm. So if, 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 go on, yeah, go ahead, sorry. So, so the danger is that uh, in times of turmoil, um, says O'Reilly, people choose narcissistic leaders. Right, okay. And I was wondering. Do, I was wondering where the leadership piece was coming in here. Yeah. So why do you think that is? Why do they? Why do they do that? Why do boards and and recruiters choose narcissists um, in times of difficulty and turmoil? Can I have a stab at it? Or no, um, it's it's an actual question, not rhetorical. <clears throat> I presume because the board wants the CEO appointed to delude the shareholders, employees, into a false sense of reality, which may provide a better outcome than the imminent failure of being realistic about the situation. Presumably, the narcissist, if we think of some that we've referred to already that we don't mind suggesting that Boris Johnson and Donald Trump and I think Jeremy Corbyn to appoint a narcissist, is that they have <clears throat> a just an inability to see anything other than their vision, their pursuit of that vision. And that vision probably lacks reality, which if the reality looks more bleak, they want a visionary. And I suppose that if narcissists are good liars, they can convince people based on them believing their own hype. But if they're going to lie, they will do that. And it won't necessarily come across to the people they're preaching the vision to would be my guess. Yeah. So um, they, 
are short-termist. They, they ca narcissists cannot create sustainable cultures. So in a, in a shareholder environment where there is a need for a quick turnaround, um, narcissists will do this thing called whatever it takes to make it happen. And as long as it's linked to their needs for sort of um, promotion and when I say promotion, you know, self-promotion mm. and this sort of grandiose behavior, if it fits with that in the short term, there can be quite a benefit to an organization of that happening. But bear in mind the risks. And you can see um, for, the, for the Tory party, for example, the, the impact of the Boris Johnson years continues uh, within that um, environment. There are, there are threads of it. There are things that continue to happen. Um, so there's another um, point that O'Reilly talks about. Um, narcissists often feel they don't receive the admiration and credit they deserve. And they, they can seem pathologically consumed with resentment. Um, I think that's quite interesting when you look at the characters we've been talking about so far, so far particularly Trump. Um, this can take the form of petulance, aggression, unhinged public rants, and abuse of underlings. Narcissistic CEOs often involve their firms in costly litigation. In the narcissist worldview, other human beings must be either acolytes or enemies. Was this written post-Trump era? This, uh, this piece it's, of reading? It's, it's relatively recent, but Trump is not not identified in this. Oh, no, no, I, 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 I get that. I, I, I think I, I haven't seen Boris Johnson, for example, throwing his own people under the bus whilst they're serving, for example. Um, whereas Trump has come out with knives to anybody that has a different viewpoint and will go from saying they're the greatest lawyer in the world to the worst lawyer yes. in the world and, and everything in between. And people are too scared to not fall in line with them because they know that the knives will come out for them. Whereas I think Boris Johnson avoids shooting people and ruining their own careers, I think. Well, if they continue to agree with him, but he shafted um, various people... Um, ruthlessly on the way up and the uh, select committee that uh, examined his uh, behavior uh, he was ruthless in his um, savaging of some of the Tory people on that committee um, so um, and, and, and here's another point that I think emphasizes that in Boris Johnson's case uh, in their place rise a plague of toadies, opportunists and enablers, equally guided by self-interest and short on scruples. So you end up with these individualistic cultures with no teamwork and low integrity. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> and that plays out, by the way, in the person we're thinking. So at the beginning, JB and I talked about we know a narcissist that we had through one of our leadership programmes seven, eight years ago, face-to-face. -face. Yeah. I wouldn't say where. Um, and I agree that there was very small teamwork. There was a, I think, a, a control sense from this narcissist leader in that environment. And people, toadying. I think, it was toadying going on. Toadying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And 
yeah, they were deluded. <laughs> so I, so I, I think um, boards and recruiters have to be a little bit careful about employing. You know, there, there, there are short-term benefits because they are ruthless. But I think if you've got strong values as an organisation, your head's turned um, by someone um, who has a sort of narcissistic uh, personality disorder. Uh, I I think be very very careful uh, not not to recruit these people because they really really will do some serious damage uh, to your business in the long term, medium to long term. <clears throat> so if you're listening to this podcast and aren't necessarily a CEO level and you want to forward this episode on to your boards, please feel free to do so. <laughs> um, well, there you go. Um, it's That's it's the end uh, of our work. <laughs> yeah, 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 and please don't uh, link it to any contracts. Thanks very much. Um, okay, um, moving on then. Um, yeah. This is this is my pod discussion point. Uh, an email came in around a discussion series um, that some people were talking about, and I kind of thought these are interesting themes. Um, and they created these uh, habits of successful businesses. There are seven pointers here um, that. Um, I thought might be useful for us to have a discussion about um, and, you know, what they all mean and things. And, and actually, I have to say that this plays into quite nicely what me and JB talk about so regularly um, in leadership webinars, amongst other things. So the, 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 the seven habits of successful businesses are, number one, innovation as standard. So I guess relax, it's only uncertainty or the no normal leader plays into point one there nicely. Uh, no normal leader by the way is available at all good bookstores and uh, is authored by jonathan bradley who gets all the royalties thank you very much um in fact have i got a uh, oh yeah here we go there we go there we um num you you're welcome Check number two interest. yeah uh, uh, number two have a vision write it down and mostly stick to it now i'd like to expand that point and probably say and campaign it uh, that's where jb will probably build on in a moment uh three follow the data um, and I do think this is where so many organizations fall down and that may well be they don't access the right data, but they're drowning in too much data, but they don't know how to collate and interpret it. Seedle probably included to a point. Um, if you follow the data, then you build a detailed business plan around the data. So therefore, I guess you build the plan around the trends you're seeing, your existing customers, et cetera, et cetera. So one is innovation standard. Two is vision. Write it down and stick to it. Three, follow the data. Four, build a detailed plan around the data. Five, we like this one, empower your people. Number six, listen to the market and learn. And seven, get external advice, which... I like to do, but financially, we can't always afford to pay for too much external advice, but I do love a free lunch or uh, I give someone a free lunch, but pump them for thinking during it. Um, JB, uh, I guess, first of all, what's your take on those seven habits of successful businesses? I think it's um, really, really clear. And, you know, I, I'm at, funny enough, this morning I was working with a uh, SME uh, that is looking to they're quite nervous about expanding their business uh, they're not huge um, but they are looking to grow the business and they're thinking about whether this is the right time to do it and we had a conversation about their fans uh, this is uh, a high street business 
and they have an enormous amount of loyalty from their fan base uh, that we we described it as their fan base and they're a bit stuck with existing products marketed to existing fan base and we started talking about um, a new fan base and a whole load of new products and that goes straight down to the listen to the market and learn and you know see see your your raving fans uh, your raving marketplace of fans um as where you get your uh, a fair amount of your data you know what kind of products and services would they like uh, now and in the future um and if you can expand your fan base what would it what would it look like at the same time we talked about their her existing people and just how empowered they might fee feel and i think it it's fair to say that uh, that is in the foothills and there is more to do which goes right back to the first no second point i think it was about the vision and i think i think it's an interesting phrase to say have a vision write it down and mostly in brackets exclamation mark stick to it so I think that to me is a very interesting thing. So it, you, you stick your stake uh, on that distant shore and you say, that's where we're going. That's where we're going. But we know that things like AI, market forces, regulatory change, um, competitive threats might mean that you need to move that stake to another part of the beach uh, or somewhere else entirely but the stretch to get there the the growth mindset of the business um i think is part of that um vision and as we talked about before uh you know being on the bus is one thing um and and knowing where the bus is going is the other thing and sometimes the vision of being on a bus that is about learning and performing and developing and being listened to and feeling good about yourself and it's aligned with my values and so on that's a great bus to be on and if you've got a sense that it's going in the right direction that's cool enough for some but others actually do need to see that stake in the ground so I, I overall I thought I thought it's it's quite handy. It, I think it's an agenda. There are seven points to it. And I think the agenda is is there for a pretty good conversation. Where it's interesting, JB, and, and you'll know Seedle in particular, I don't mind naming as an example. <clears throat> um, it has a vision, but that vision has evolved dramatically mm. to many points. Certainly our customer vision has changed even if the consumption result is not necessarily deviated. And I used the bus metaphor with a client recently who has a very clear vision of what they want to do. Yeah. But interestingly, um, on the bus, if the employees are passengers on that bus, no one wants to get on their bus. It's, right. it's, it's a few. So I want Seedle is a three-year-old bus. But yeah. it was used when they bought it to keep the cost down because they didn't have a huge budget because they're a startup. Yeah. Meanwhile, this bus is parked next to our client's bus, which is state of the art air conditioning, leather seats. Um, you know, <clears throat> there's a special little red rug that rolls out. It looks really appealing. But when I you peer get on through, that one. <laughs> yeah, well, but when you peer when you peer through the tinted glass, 
none of the passengers on that bus look very happy. Oh. So you kind of look through the front door of this bus and I don't want to get on the bus. I then look across the car park at the Seedle bus, which is battered. It's got a couple of cracks in it. The tyres look a little bit illegal, but they're legal just. The destination on the front isn't very clear of this bus, but everybody on that bus is having a flipping brilliant time. It's a fun bus. Well, not just, a f I think they're fun, but deadly serious. Yeah. They seem to be feeling really, they, they are excited about the fact they've got no destination or the destination is not hugely clear, but they want, they all want to be on the bus. And, and it seems that the, the bus is, is full of people that want to get to a destination, even if it's not particularly clear. So do you think it, do you think it would be quite visionary to have a business <laughs> where you are absolutely determined not to have a vision at all so this this mm. the vision the vision is that we don't have a vision i, I so why I, I have a daughter that has asperger's <clears throat> and i managed to convince her that the lack of structure was the constant for her so she liked everything in a particular order and routines for school if you went a different way she'd she'd have a meltdown but with me yeah. um uh whenever i had her at my my weekends there was no order at all that was me Unfortunately, she accepted that as a constant. So I don't dispute the idea of having no, I think there needs to be markers. You know, we're going in this general direction, but it, but part of the fun is the journey. And I think this is where the only thing where I'd have this successful businesses thing is I think you have a vision, but have a rubber or a pot of Tipex handy if you're writing it down because it's okay if it changes. But what you've got to do is make sure that your people feel that they're part of that deviation on the route. You know, if we're going to go down this rather bumpy road down here, are we all cool with that? Yeah, let's go and explore. If we've got a, a group of people on board the bus that want to stay on the, on the grid roads of Milton Keynes only, then is this bus best served in Milton Keynes? We'd want to move the more the rock and roll lifestyle of 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 the Lake District, for example, where there is, you know, trips and turns and falls at every turn. But my goodness, what a journey and what a view that will be. Um, so I, I, I'm quite interested in that bus then. Um, I was in, in initially excited about the other bus because I quite like air conditioning. I don't like get too too hot on a bus. No, I agree with that, to be fair. Um, I, and... I did have air conditioning. It's just a bit dodgy. It doesn't, do, it doesn't make oh. it freezing cold, but it, it keeps yeah. it okay. It's a bit intermittent, like the wipers. Yes. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, there's a kind of, um, I don't know, I, I, if, if it's kind of got comfortable chairs and you know, nice music being played. And I, I was initially quite attracted to that idea. Mm. But I actually, I don't know that I'd learn anything on that bus. I think I might find yeah. it a bit dull. And I'd, you know, There's a lack it, of character on that bus. It's it's, not, it's brand yeah. new. It's it's a it's a state-of-the-art bus. I mean, it's lovely for the first 10 minutes, but it's the you, if you're on a journey on that bus from Land's End to John O'Groats, yeah. um, you know, and let's assume the safety standards on both buses are legal Adequate. so that that's not that's not a, a, in question yeah um but if you've got to spend a few days on this bus with the other passengers or a few years in work terms i think we often remember the people we work with so i you know i can think of several employees i've worked for before and um the journey was was brilliant in fact i was talking at dinner last night with some former work colleagues and said, you know, for love or hate what they've become, this particular organization, I learned the most I ever learned in my career yeah, at that business. Yeah, yeah. And I would love to, and we were talking about going back to that time. 
yes. you know, that time because the business at that stage was in such a state of flux and chaos. We learned lots, but the people they hired really good people to try and sort it out. And that journey we went on was brilliant. So I often yeah. think that to your point around, do we not have a vision? I think actually we have, we have a vision, but we're, we're comfortable with the fact that vision will probably change. Um, and, and get people, I think people enjoy that journey more. I think, you know, this, this whole idea of relax is only uncertainty, um, is a single vision. Um, I mean, I, I believe Seedle has a vision and it's focused on its destination, but the route it takes may well not be a grid route around Milton Keynes. It could be via the other way around the world via Australia to get to one side of Milton Keynes to the other. Yeah. And, and the other wide. Yeah. Um, I, so I, I, I really like the idea of being on a bus that is about the people growing. I want to be. I want to be around people with a growth mindset. I, I just. I. I learned um, last weekend. I won't say any more than that. But I really, really don't want to be in the same space as people with fixed mindsets. Um, I, you know, I, I just, I really honestly. How did your daughter's wedding go, by the way? Was it good? <laughs> oh, don't. Uh, it was marvelous. Thank you very much. Um, it, <laughs> um, it was great. But uh, I, so th I could be on the best bus and old Rishi's there. He's the driver with his, with his trousers hitched up. And, um, you know, it's, it's great. It's got all the things that it needs, um, except that it's sodding boring. Mm. It's really, really dull, and I don't think we're there to learn much. It's not. It's not a growth environment. So, I want to know that what we're doing is that almost like a relentless obsession with growth, growth for the people, growth for the business, and if that is what's happening, I'm going to jump on that rusty old bus. Not saying your business is a rusty old bus, but you know, I'll I'll, I'll be up. For no, I, 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 the the metaphor I was using with this this client was they were struggling to hire. Yet you know, we have a really good influx of applications every time we put a vacancy out there. Yeah. Yet we pay less um, than our competitors, arguably. Um, but people want to have it seems that a company on their CV, and maybe it's when they look inside the bus despite the fact it has a nice shiny exterior for our com for our competitors, actually the passengers in the bus feel incredibly stuck and seat belted into their seat. They yeah. can't move around the bus. They can't go up the back where all the fun happens. Um, you know, uh, so it, it, it quickly dissipates into a very dull place where they seem to stop a lot on the journey to let passengers on and off. Meanwhile, we seem to go quite a long way um, with our rickety bus because people don't want to stop and get off too regularly. I think I, I, I think the metaphor of this bus is being stretched beyond recognition. Well, so, so I was thinking maybe let's turn it into a submarine. <laughs> oh God. Um, not, an ex, I, not an ex, not an explorer one. No, eh? no. See okay. now that's a very good stretch of this. We've already stretched this too far anyway now, but um, so I think Seedle is the yellow submarine. And, you know, if you look at some of those images of the yellow submarine, uh, it's fabulous. It's all very kind of colourful and crazy. And it's and it's it's a fun submarine. And you just feel that you get on that with great music playing. Um, you know, John and Yoko will be twanging something out in the back. I beg your pardon. <laughs> well, I don't know what I said there. Um, 
and um you know uh, it, it i think it'd be quite good fun but i i think you could some people would be attracted to getting onto something a little bit more like a a nuclear sub um that's gonna gonna destroy that's that i tell you what the nuclear sub that's got a bunch of narcissists in it um and it's all about them and the yellow submarine has got ant there um welcoming you on board uh with a, a banana daiquiri and uh a panini full of um lovely lovely things you get the vegetarian options vegan options and um and lovely chicken wrap <laughs> your banana daiquiri and you know that it, you know it's you know it's going to be a good time and you know you're going to learn loads of stuff loads of shit loads of stuff and then ant says where sh- where should we go today um and we think okay let's go to australia yay what is and ladies and gentlemen thanks for joining the global <laughs> leadership podcast we'll see you next week <laughs> um, i don't know that there's any well at least we've got the global aspect in we're going to australia this is true yeah the bus did get 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 on a cruise liner incidentally i saw coldplay's bus for sale on on ebay the other week okay um, can i guess can i guess how much i can't remember i think oh. have, have a guess i think i know what it was starting at. i don't know how it finished okay well i'm going to take a guess at two hundred and fifty thousand pounds mm, you'll be impressed then it started at 50 i don't know how it ended Oh, wow. Let's go it was knackered. It. I think it was their original bus. Come on, let's go get it. Yeah, and go and take it on a tour. <clears throat> I suppose they don't use it because they've gone environmentally friendly and they don't use that kind of kit anymore. I don't or, know. Or they they tour globally rather than on a, around the country. Um, Didn't they commit to not using... Kind yeah, of... they have they have pedal bikes at concerts to regenerate, so they have I was the audience. They use pedal bikes to get to all their tours. Well, no, so they use. I believe at every concert. Well, me and sister-in-law have been to one where we went and pedaled for fifteen minutes to gen- to contribute to the electricity, and they store them in big batteries. So you pedal. You, there's bikes on on dynamos. We all go into batteries, and they they then charge the next concert with them. Do you know? I'd like one of those for my a booze fridge on my camper van. You'd never stop uh, peddling, though. Well, that is very true, but I yeah. get bloody fit. It's true. Should we have a listener question? I think it's about time we did. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, where are my listener questions? Email. Hold on. Here we go. Um, you talked recently about managing egos. We have a big one on my... This is pretty pleasing, quite nicely, doesn't it, for the narcissist? We have a big one on my team. I didn't hire them. They've been here for years. They think they know it all, cause general headaches with refusal to adapt to changes. They aren't hugely popular with colleagues. Solid performer, though. Don't know what the question is. I think it's how do we deal with them? Yeah. Um, Well, so to what extent are they screwing up uh, trust in the team? Mm. Because if that's at risk, then you, uh, you have a problem. Uh, with, can i ask a question trust. back to this person if they're listening yeah, still yeah. <clears throat> which is how often do you have to stop the bus to let passengers off because i don't want to be on the bus with this person anymore yeah have you lost anyone as a result mm. of this person um you know if if you've got people who are constantly saying to you i don't know how you put up with this person um i can understand that they're technically brilliant at what they do so we're getting the revenues in or whatever the business model is um but in terms of the 
uh, detrimental aspects of this to team morale and a sense of um, fairness and openness and honesty, if people can't really talk about it, if, if, you know, if, if they feel that nothing's being done about this person in the way that they behave with the rest of the team or other colleagues, I, I think that's a major problem. I faced this, I did face this problem uh, a few years ago uh, with a sales team and um, the sales exec was quite brilliant, but uh, they weren't great at working with other colleagues in the team. They were selling uh, at under rate card um, and were arguing constantly that volume should mean that this client should get a better rate all the time. Uh, and I pretty early on, when I got into this business was asking the question, um, are they working for the client or are they working for the business? Because uh, this, this is a problem. Anyway, I confronted this situation and got some serious advice from my bosses higher up to maintain the status quo and to keep this person in place. Uh, eventually I said, I wasn't prepared to do that anymore. Um, because of their behaviour and the values um, of the business were being corrupted by this person. And I fired them with enthusiasm. And I have to tell you that initially, um, some of the businesses that they did work with uh, went a bit uh, mental, but I went and saw them all individually uh, with the sales director. And we got them back and we pushed um, more revenue into the business uh, eventually took a, took a bit of time, but we got there in the end. Um, so I think you shouldn't you shouldn't put up with it. You should mm. not put up with it. It's not good for the team trust. Trust is the absolute critical element of, of building a really strong team. And if you've got that going on, it's not going to do good things for trust in your team. That's my view. I don't. I, I. I don't know that I've got all the information, but that's that's what I think. I think you're saying to me. Yeah, I. I would agree. Um, there's nothing I'd say differently, <clears throat> and hopefully you'll take that advice wisely. Um, second listener question: How do you tackle the pay rise conversation? As in, we have no budget. Cost of living is putting pressure on employees, and we've been asked recently about pay rises. As we've been unable to pass our past past our cost increases onto clients were unable to afford it we do already pay above competitors and market rate thank you hannah thank you hannah for your message the pay rise conversation with no budgets you take it i knew and then off because i did most of the legwork on the last one. Oh, then, yeah well i know this, well, i know we don't have a transactional relationship but you, no. I, I i need to think about it <laughs> Fair enough. Um, <clears throat> thank you, Hannah, for your question. Uh, look, ironically, many organisations are in the very similar space to yourself where um, their costs are going up across the board um, and inflation is putting a pressure on employees' cost of living, which is then translating into, I need to earn more money. Um, and the conversation, I think, is very much what you've put into the email, if I'm honest, which is transparency. Um, you know, I think... We can be clever with non-monetary recognition. There are things you could do to support them, making them feel more loved. 
Um, and this may require some conversations with more senior stakeholders to get approval for what you want to do with your team. But here's a couple of ideas, which is maybe you give some people some extra days holiday, which won't cost anything, but will give them that opportunity to do things. Um, maybe there are small things that might you might get a budget for. You know, giving someone a, a three or four percent pay rise could be hugely expensive. But there's a number of businesses at the moment that are now um, on office days buying everyone lunch. They have lunch funded for them when they're in the office which not only drives people into the office, it subsidizes the cost of going into the office because those people get lunch paid for as such. And ironically, it costs the company far less than a pay rise would per head, you know, with four or five pounds a day on some sandwiches and some drink or whatever, or even a cooked meal on scale can be a relatively affordable way of giving people that subconscious pay rise, you know, 25 pound a week was that, you know, just over a thousand pounds a year, a thousand pounds as a pay rise we're probably seen as quite offensive um, in the current climate. Um, so, you know, number one, I think the pay rise conversation, your specific question is about the realities of the organization right now. Um, especially if you're saying that there are no levers you can pull to generate more income. And I can only presume that the shareholders and the investors behind your company, um, also, there's not much you can pull there. So, it's, you know, let's assume that's all exhausted. I think transparency is important um, and trying to understand what their earning aspirations are and maybe translating it into, OK, what aspirational other roles could you do in this organization in six to 12 months that could facilitate a pay rise? Is there an incentive or a bonus scheme that could be introduced to drive the performance in a certain direction instead? Um, is there a team incentive that you could perhaps get approval for that give me a number, boss, that I can work towards? And if we get that number, can I then have a pot that I distribute between my team, please? That could be a stretch target, admittedly. Uh, but if it can then help self-fund any pay rises or bonuses, then that's important. One of the conversations I was given once by my bosses in an old organization I worked for was you can do whatever pay rises you want, but they come out of your own budget. <clears throat> And, you know, it may well be that you have to think about that. Uh, and I was told, well, be brutal. You might need to lose someone to fund pay rises for others. Um, now, that sounds a bit brutal and it's probably far beyond the question that you sent in, Hannah. But, you know, the, the truth is, if we look at the moment in many organizations, public sector and private sector, they're being expected to self-fund their pay increases. So, you know, a, a teacher's pay rise at the moment is approved but the councils or the schools have to find the savings in order to fund it. So what does that mean? No new paint job for the school this year or no exercise books or whatever from a cheaper paper supplier, but that will fund the pay rises. Um, so I think it, number one is to be creative. What can you do? You know, so I, I have a conversation in the absence of a pay rise. What else can I do to, to, to make you feel valued by the company? Because we really do value what you're doing. But unfortunately, the company doesn't have the financial headroom to be able to do that for us right now. But what I can do is A, B and C. But what else have you, what could you offer up? What, what ideas have you got that I could do and see what they come up with? And you can only say no. Um, but you can also only you only can ask the question to be told no. So I would say think of it like that. <clears throat> um, there you go. That's my take. I, I, I you covered it um, really well, Anne. And I I can only add a few other little bits and bobs. I think which is never forget the value of of learning and development um, in a in an organisation. And you know before you, you know I. I I guess all of those things that Anne talks about, plus, you know, sometimes money 
is put aside for learning and development in you know there are budgets for that and maybe one can find something in there um combined with some mentoring perhaps from a senior exec or whatever uh that that becomes part of a, a learning and development package that that enhances their chances of greater money down the line um promotion within the organization um and possibly even beyond well i'm i was always quite open to that idea um you know sometimes learning and development doesn't have to cost that much if you go to seedle where you can think um but yeah there's 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 that kind of angle and i just there's a there's a hint of caution here for me which is that i think some people want that extra particularly in sales environments i think they want that extra money um and that extra kind of um dosh that comes every quarter every year and then they realize that with it comes a whole load of extra responsibility which mm -hmm. can be really scary um yeah. and they sort of wish god wish i hadn't done that now um so i think there is a you know if with this with the, any increase that you get um, you know, there is there is usually some sort of change in expectation and responsibility. So bear that in mind. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. Um, can I just add in, there was a study that's done annually that came out again recently, which is reasons for leaving and pay was still right down there as one of the lower ones above um, to JB's point, learning opportunities was a higher reason that people wanted to leave. Their line manager was also featured above pay increases and in pay. Uh, also, another statistic, which we've talked about in other podcasts, I think it's 87 percent. I can't remember the exact number. I think it's 87 percent um, of people that are counted to stay. So if you were to if one of your team was to resign as a result of not getting a pay rise and you counter them to stay, um, 87% uh, of them will still go on to leave within 12 months. So it clearly wasn't money that was driving them to leave the business in the first place, if that makes sense. There was something that wasn't right. So I would urge you to have a real honest conversation about what 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 really drives you. How can I value you best? I, I, I have no control over pay, but let me really, and I, I reckon if you were to have those conversations, a lot more of them would, would respect you better for it and you'd be able to have a clearer understanding and then take that knowledge as arm, armor to your senior leaders to say, I need budget for X, Y, and Z, or else I'm going to lose these people. Um, and then use that data in that way. Um, in fact, it's brought quite nicely those seven things, hasn't it? Um, of of yeah. successful businesses into play as well. Um, there you go. Um, we have time for one more quick question, JB, or not? I'll yes. Give you, yeah. Yes. Um, let me, we had, actually, do you want to do that one that came to you that you had an answer of briefly at the end of the webinar we did earlier? Or have you forgotten it? Um, I've forgotten it. It was managing upwards, wasn't it? Something around managing upwards. Mm. I can't remember. Um, if you but look, if you've been on one of the webinars and you're listening to these podcasts as a result of it, can you please submit the questions? If, and in fact, any listener to this podcast, you can submit questions anytime. GLP for Global Leadership Podcast at Seedle.com. They come through to me and JB, and then we tackle them in the next uh, podcast I'm episode. My brain for that bloody yeah. Or you can obviously submit them through Seedle if you're a Seedle user, and I'll then filter them through. Um, but yeah, we, we, we get a lot around managing upwards. Um, there was a question that came out around um, how do we tackle line managers that clearly have deficiencies in their capability when they're so frequent in their in, in capability. And I think that's a challenge unfortunate at the moment. <laughs> 
um, you may be really frustrated that you report into someone that's clearly less experienced than you, less capable than you, and therefore you've got a real respect issue with them. Um, all I'd say is that a good leader, you as the good leader, need to take leadership in that and rise above it and recognise that the capabilities of being a line manager doesn't mean being a subject matter expert, for example. Um, yes. Anyway, I've, I've padded a little bit. I'm guessing I can't remember the questions either, unfortunately. And unfortunately, the way our platform works is because we offer it anonymously, it purges all the um, chat data on ending the session. So I can't. It was, it was something to do with, with, with I think, what you were talking about, which was um, someone who has a boss that um, is not managing them particularly well right now. And they, uh, the, the, so the direct report had more knowledge than the boss. And it was really frustrating for them. How do I, how do I kind of manage that? And I, I think, you know, in those situations, it's with great sensitivity and great honesty, actually. Mm. Um, you know, Sorry. if there is an absence of, of support and a, and, and a focus on, you know the right challenge for the direct report and it's not coming from the boss i i think in the, in this day and age i think it's perfectly all right to say i need more of this and i need less of that um you know can you stop doing that can you start doing that and continue doing that mm. um i i think it's about transparency and honesty um and you know if that's framed correctly like I, you know i really do need to be honest with you about a few things that are not okay for me um can, i really appreciate a, a really honest conversation frank and honest conversation with you about that i i think most people are really decent and they would they would be able to deal with that unless they're just really into being <laughs> narcissistic <laughs> Bastards. we've done oh. a full circle there you go <laughs> there we go just bringing <laughs> it right round. i think it's only right mr bradley uh, as we we padded before we hit record on our life outside of work that we conclude this podcast with a little update as to what you might be up to between now and the next recording which i think is next week isn't it oh is it i think so i think we've got a few scheduled this month in fact we've also got a couple of guests coming up as well oh Hmm. Yes, we do. That's quite exciting, isn't it? It is. Yeah. If you'd like to be a guest on our podcast and I've got something to say around leadership, do let us know and we'll invite you to join us, even if it's just 15 minutes of the podcast. Well, the, one of the highlights of my week is that I am going to have my eyes tested. <laughs> Flipping heck. Bit of a bit of, a, bit of a, a, a light news week, is it? Yeah. Well, I, so there's quite a lot of webinars and a new coaching thing I'm doing. Oh, and... yes. Um, so that starts tomorrow. Uh, I'm doing a little bit of work with this SME um, and stuff like that. So uh, then I'm having my eyes tested and, and I haven't had my eyes tested for about three years. Uh, and I just thought I better had. I thought I better mm. just check it out. Uh, uh, there's no problem, but. Maybe... We look forward to finding out the results of that eye test in yeah. next week's recording. And... I must make a note of it. So once I get, if, if my prescription has changed and then I see you and for the first time. Um, and then realise, oh my goodness, I've been working with oh this. God, you're so handsome. Oh, I was thinking the opposite. I I'll take realize. that. Yeah. Just to manage your expectations, you'll need your eyes retesting if that is the conclusion. Oh. 
Um, and it's, so, so eye test is the highlight of the week ahead. I'm afraid it, you know, it's a little bit. Um, I mean, it is August, and August is usually a little bit. Nothing really goes on particularly in August. Not think. even the weather, unfortunately. There is no. supposed to be a, a mini heat wave tomorrow and Thursday, isn't there? Twenty four and twenty six. Oh, is that right? Now, well, what, now what, neck about, of the woods. what about you, Ant, um, in your much more exciting, busy, hectic life? Uh, no, I mean, I'm in London tomorrow morning um, yeah. with some important um, meetings. And then uh, the kids are on school holidays still in the UK. I think of some of the rest of Europe start to trickle back in the next week or so. But mine are off for another three weeks. So uh, hoping my wife doesn't tie them up from a, a lamppost or something. So, you know, we've got... A few bits and pieces. We've got some visitors this weekend. And of course, the puppy is is uh, getting bigger now. So she'll be going out and doing some exploration in her local area. All very exciting. That's the highlights from, from my week, I'm afraid. Well, we don't really have very much going on to excite the listeners. No. And you think future. in a post-pandemic world, we'd have a backlog of stuff to do. Things to do. Yeah, well, there you yeah. go. I am hoping to go to Spain, though. Um, yeah, I do. I, I want to get to Spain probably in October. Nice. Oh. Just thought I'd add that. I don't know no. why I'm adding that, but it's all I can say. Well, let's hope you have a podcast recording between now and then where we can really find out a bit more about that trip. Or possibly in Spain. I might do one live. Ooh, that would yeah. be good. From the pool like we used to do anyway um thank you very much for joining us uh, email in your questions glp at seedle.com if you've got a question uh, i've been anthony i've been jb it's been a pleasure goodbye <laughs>